Yutet Shvat, Tzaddik, His Life, 186, 60. The Rebbe told the story of the burger and the pauper, story number 10, after he had been told about something written in gold letters. This was after Purim 5569-1809. Before Purim, he had told the story of the sophisticate and the simpleton. 187, 61. Shabbat Torah reading Noach, 5570, October 14th, 1809. In the evening, the Rebbe taught a lesson on eulogizing a tzaddik, Likutre Moharan Tinyana, 67. After the departure of Shabbat, we went in to see him as usual, but he indicated with his hand that we should leave him. We went out at once. We were surprised because, usually, he would speak to us a great deal after Shabbat departed. We were somewhat disappointed and went to the house of the Rav of Breslov. After a few hours, the Rebbe sent his attendant calling us to come. My friend Reb Naftali and I came in, and the Rebbe asked us to tell him the news. He would always ask us for the latest news. Reb Naftali told him of what he had heard regarding the French War, the Napoleonic Wars. In the course of the conversation, we expressed surprise at the speed of Napoleon's rise to prominence. He had started off as a plain servant, and now was an emperor. The Rebbe said, who knows what soul he has? It could be it was exchanged, because in the chamber of exchanges, the souls are sometimes exchanged. The Rebbe then began to relate how once something like this had happened. The queen had given birth, and her slave woman had given birth at the same time. He went on to tell the whole story of the exchanged children. Story number 11. After hearing the story, Reb Naftali and I had a discussion about the passage where the king's true son gave all the rest of his money to his host. One of us understood that he had left the money there because he owed it for his lodgings. The other disagreed, maintaining he had simply left it there. After debating it between ourselves, we went to ask the Rebbe himself. He was involved in his devotions at the time, walking back and forth in the house as he always did. He replied that the king's son just left the money there, not in payment of any debt. Later on, one of the Rebbe's most important followers was there. The Rebbe told him that a change of even a single word of the stories from the way that he told it detracted greatly from the story. He went on, The thing these two are debating may seem to be a small point, and it would not seem to matter all that much which one was right. But the truth is that a great deal hangs on it. The exact detail matters very much. From this you can understand just a little how far these stories reach, for his thoughts are very deep. Anyone who comprehends even a portion of it, to whatever extent he is able, is very fortunate. His Wisdom, 61 We frequently find the expression, Hadribi, I reversed myself. In the Talmud, when a sage reverses his opinion. However, the expression implies that he reversed himself rather than his opinion. When the Talmud says Hadribi, it is speaking of repentance. The sage had interpreted the Torah incorrectly and was now repenting for it. As soon as he was questioned about it, he became aware of his error. 
he knew that it caused a blemish in the Torah for which he must repent. Sometimes a person may have a potential for repentance, but it is not brought out into actuality. He may then try to perceive something above his level, and this will lead him to make repentance actual. Thus the Talmud says, Hadribi, literally, I reversed in me. For the repentance was in him, but only potentially. Only now can it be expressed. He reached above his ability, thus causing him to make this mistake. When his companion made him aware of his error, he immediately repented. In this manner, his potential for repentance was made actual. Fear of God A. A person who does not consider himself clever can become God-fearing. Whoever is close to an elder and endures his wrath is rewarded with the fear of God. When a person is given the opportunity to perform an act of kindness and fails to carry it out, his fear of God diminishes. Whoever keeps his conversing to a minimum merits fear of God. All the words a person speaks in order to convince a fellow Jew to be God-fearing are transformed into a holy book. The words of a God-fearing person are heeded. Crying over a devout person's death is as important as the fear of God. The fear of God brings a person more than his mazel would dictate. The inverse is also true, as a lack of fear would diminish his good fortune. Likutei Mo'aran 1, Lesson 38, 7 When a person rectifies his speech, he then merits to speak to his Creator with passionate fervor. For every person must accustom himself to speak to his Creator with total honesty and truth. He must express everything inside of him until he truly arouses his heart to the service of God until he begins to speak fervently with the words of truth in his heart, amidst an awakening of repentance, until he sees his lowliness and the greatness of the Creator, and until he feels great shame before God. For until now he had merely thrown his sins over his shoulder and ignored them. But now that he acknowledges them, he is filled with great shame over the enormity of his sins committed against the Master and Ruler, the essence and root of all worlds. Initially, however, this shame is not yet actualized or visible upon the person's face because his sins have blunted his intellect and his mind with the spirit of foolishness that he has within him. Therefore, before he merits to repent completely, he does not possess the requisite understanding that would allow him to feel the appropriate shame given the enormity of his sins and the greatness of the Creator against whom he has transgressed. But subsequently, when he has repented and thereby stripped away the foolishness from himself and strengthened his intellect, he then experiences the shame more fully, and this shame is revealed on his face. This shame is an aspect of the light of tefillin, which is a sign of true attachment to the Creator. This shame is also the inner state behind the shining of the skin of the face, which attends to a deep and intense cleaving to God. Through this shame, all of a person's sins are forgiven, and he attaches himself to the tree of life. 8. 
By this, we are able to discern if a person possesses awe and fear of God, which is identical to shame, as our sages taught of blessed memory. After a person has rectified his sins, if we look at his face and we are taken by awe, fear, and shame, or in other words, if we are infused with a knowledge of the greatness of the Creator, then we may know that he possesses awe and fear of God. This is the explanation of the verse, then you will understand fear of God, and you will attain knowledge of Him. Then you will understand fear of God means that you will discern whether a person has fear of God, and you will find knowledge of Him means when you too attain awareness of the greatness of the Creator, namely shame and awe. This is also the explanation of the verse, all the nations of the world will see that the name of God is called upon you. This refers to the tefillin. And they will fear you. In other words, when they are also filled with fear and shame. For fear and shame are the concept of tefillin, which is called pe'er, splendor. And pe'er denotes the revelation of an array of colors, as it is written, Israel in whom I take pride. Et ba'ar. God takes pride in his people, Israel, who consist of many different colors many different types of Jews. And this is as we see, that when a person feels shame, he turns different colors. The Burger and the Pauper Still she refused to accept his word. The other kings had also some excuse for not having the letter. Such a long time had passed that it was totally impossible to recognize him. She refused to pay heed to any signs at all until he actually brought her letter. She had already thought that the first one was surely him, and similarly the second, and then the third. Therefore nothing else would do. The young man decided that it would be impossible for him to remain there too long, since the emperor might discover his presence and kill him. He therefore made up his mind that he would go back to where he had been in the desert, and spend the rest of his life there. He walked and walked, to come to the desert, and finally he arrived there. While all this was happening, many years went by. The young man made up his mind that he would live in the desert and spend the rest of his life there. He had thought about a person's entire life in this world, and concluded that it would be best for him to spend the rest of his life there in the desert. There he lived and ate his fruits, just as before. Outpouring of the Soul 48. Various Lessons The Rebbe told one of his disciples to meditate once each day and once each night. On another occasion, the Rebbe asked one of his followers if he was in the habit of sighing during his meditation. When the man answered that he was, the Rebbe asked him if he sighed from the depths of his heart. The Rebbe then said, There are times that I sigh during my meditation. If my hand is then resting on the table, it is some time before I have enough strength to lift it. Once the Rebbe grasped Shmuel Isaac by the garment over his chest and said, Because of a small amount of blood like this, you can lose this world and the next. The Rebbe was speaking of the blood in the heart, which is said to be the seat of the evil urge. The Rebbe continued, Sigh and groan before God until you refine that blood and subjugate the evil in it. 
you will then be on the same level as King David, who could say, My heart is hollow within me. Once the Rebbe spoke to Rabbi Yaakov Yosef regarding serving God, as he often would, the Rebbe told him the following parable. A king once sent his son to distant places to learn wisdom. When the son returned home, he was well-versed in all branches of wisdom. The king then told his son to take a large stone, the size of a millstone, and bring it up to the attic of the palace. Letter 95 With many thanks to God, Wednesday, Vayera, 5593 My dear beloved son, I received your letter just now. At the moment, I do not yet know when I will travel, God willing, since I have not yet hired the coach. It seems, though, that I will set out, God willing, on Monday after the Shabbat. As for your not coming for Shabbat, you need not be concerned about it on my account. I am not particularly eager to have guests this Shabbat anyway, because my mind is so unsettled on account of the trip. It would be good for you to come, God willing, on Sunday, after the mail delivery, and God will do what is good. As for words of truth and inspiration, I have already written you a great many with God's help. It would be good for you to look back once in a while on the old letters you have saved. I hope to God that they will give you much encouragement. At the moment I have no time to continue because the carrier of this letter is in a hurry. May God bring you and me to joy. For God is very great. His greatness is beyond comprehension. In His awesome greatness, which is always attended by His humility, a person can rejoice forever no matter what. We have already seen in these generations His goodness and loving kindness absolutely without limit, in that He has revealed to us such kindness with the unique and original Torah teachings that we received from our Master, Teacher, and awesome Rebbe. All of them are wondrous gifts of incalculable compassion, precious wisdom capable of giving life to whole masses of people, no matter who they are, no matter what state they may be. Anyone who touches these incredible gifts of loving-kindness, even the slightest little bit, can rejoice forever, for they are a path of life and great abundance of joy. Nasan Breslov Letter number 326 You are receiving enclosed here a letter to Inkerman, and you should send it in the appropriate manner. If you wish, you can also add your own greetings and write them some words from your own heart so that you may receive it from each other. For all the letters which circulate in the world from one person to another all have their root in the holy letters which are exchanged between Jews, such as questions and answers involving the laws and statutes of the Torah. This is particularly true of questions, answers, and discussions in the holy study regarding the practice of Torah, wherein one Jew fortifies, strengthens, awakens, and gives good advice to the heart of his friend, his students, and so on. I also yearn very much to receive some news from Lvov. Therefore, if you have not yet received any information from there, be sure to write as you deem correct, either to Rabyakov Hertz in Brody or to Lvov, and ask them about it. At the very least, they ought to have acknowledged our letter if they received it, and have let us know what's going on over there. 
Please do not be remiss about this business. It is a matter of incalculable importance. May God begin it and then bring it to a good conclusion. Amen. May it be his will. The words of your father, Nasan of Breslov. Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa, Rabbi Hanina ben Gamliel Diavne, Rabbi Hanina ben Antignos, Rabbi Hanina ben Oshel Rabbi Yossi Agalili, Rabbi Hanina ben Antignos Akohen, Rabbi Hanina Agadol, Rabbi Hanina Kara, Rabbi Hanina Bar Chama Akohen, Rabbi Hanina Bar Akavia, Rabbi Hanina Bar Papi, Rabbi Hanina Bar Papa, Rabbi Hanina Bar Shakla, Rabbi Hanina Bar Agul, רבי חנינא ברדה רב עדה, רבי חנינא בן טורטה, רבי חנינא טירטאה, רבי חנינא בר אבאו, רבי חנינא בר הלל, רבי חנינא מסורא דפרת, רבי חנינא מסורא, רב חנינא בר רב דימי, רבי חנינא בר ביבי, רבי חנינא בר מניומי, רבי חנינא בר יוסף, אב חנינא, חנינא בר שמואל, רבי חנינא איש טבעון, רבי חנינא הזקן, רבי חנינא בר סיסי, רבי חנינא בר סרסי, רבי חנינא בן סנסן, חנינא בר איסא, רבי חנינא בן פזי, רבי חנינא כתובה, רבי חנינא אנטיה, רבי חנינא בר אנדריה, רבי חנינא בן אורי, רבי חנינא בן עטל, רבי חנינא ברוקה, רבי חנינא בן איזקה, רבי חנינא סגן הכהנים. One, prayer number 66. God of all spirits, ruler of heavenly and earthly beings, you who hold souls of the living and the dead, you whose hand holds the spirit of every living creature and the breath of every human being, help me to draw down onto myself a spirit of the true life of holiness from the true tzadikim, who comprise our very lives. Bring me before them to attend to their needs and to be intimately connected with them as a branch is connected to the tree, so much so that I will feel all the ascents and descents that they experience. And when their time comes to leave the world, may I stand beside them as their holy souls ascend so that I may receive a double spiritual portion as their spirit comes upon us doubled. Closeness to God. Master of the world, I know that I am asking a great deal of you, but you are good and do good, and you have taught us through your tzaddikim to pray for this very thing. You have generously promised us that you will certainly fulfill your goals by bringing us to the ultimate state of perfection, where we are close to you, in accordance with what is fitting for you, even if we are unworthy. Therefore, as long as my spirit is within me, I bow down before you and plead with you. Hashem, my God, and the God of my fathers, God of all the tzaddikim, to answer me and help me bring into being everything that I need to serve you, until I am in accordance with your desire all of my days forever. Open your hand. Compassionate God, lead me to pure truth. Send me an abundant flow of sustenance from your broad and generous hand. May I never need anyone for anything. 
be it income, honor, status, or appointment to a position. May I hope and trust in you alone. May I rely only on you to never abandon me, to generously give me everything from your holy hand even before I need it. May I never require people's gifts and loans. Have compassion on me, I who am impoverished and far from earning a living. My merciful and righteous Father, Shepherd of Israel, who gives bread to all flesh, whose kindness is forever, help me to repay my debts quickly. Open your hand to me, a poor and impoverished person. Fulfill all my needs in both material and spiritual realms. In particular, help me soon to repay my debts, which have overwhelmed me until I do not know what to do. And keep me from ever falling into debt again. Have compassion on me for the sake of your name. Send me my income generously and not with constriction, so that I may receive it in a permissible and not forbidden manner, comfortably and without difficulty, and thus be able to do your will. May all my worship and prayer be genuine and without any falsehood or ulterior motives, so that I will never say a single word of prayer or make any movement in prayer designed to impress others, heaven forbid. May I never gild falsehood with truth and never deceive myself. Instead, may I recite all prayers with ultimate truth for the sake of your name alone, in accordance with your desire. No ulterior motives. Master of the world, Hashem, true God, you who desire truth and are close with all those who call out to you, arise and help me. Give me the strength and wisdom to eliminate all foreign thoughts, falsehood, and ulterior motives that come to confuse me when I am praying. You know the multitude of obstacles that upset my prayer particularly when I pray among many other people. I am assailed by an endless number of ulterior false motives and do not know what to do. I desire strongly to pray with ultimate truth, solely to Hashem alone. But what can I do? My sins have made me a subject to a great many ulterior motives, which perturb my prayer with foreign thoughts and confusions, too many to count. Against my will... Ulterior motives, coarse or subtle, revealed or hidden, on various levels and in various ways, too many to be delineated, enter my mind. Every day these ulterior confusions and thoughts arise in my every prayer and gain in strength. Even when I pray by myself, I am beset by these ulterior motives. And how much more when I pray with others, particularly in another city, when these false motives grow particularly powerful, so much so that I cannot even express one honest, genuine word of prayer. Have compassion on me. Guide me to truth so that I will not be dependent on others in any way, so that I will have no desire for honor, praise, acclamation, money, or anything else. May I not place my trust in any person at all, but know and believe in the ultimate truth that everything comes from you. Wealth and honor are before you, and you rule over everyone. All flesh is grass, 
and all of a person's kindness is like the herbage of the field. What can anyone do against me? And may I realize the truth within the verse, do not trust in princes, in a man who has no salvation. When his spirit leaves, he returns to his plot of earth. On that day, his thoughts perish. Fortunate is the person whose help is the God of Jacob, who hopes in Hashem his God. Blessed is the man who trusts in Hashem. Hashem will be his trust. Trust in Hashem forever, for in God Hashem you will find the rock of ages. Those who know your name will trust in you, because you have not abandoned those who seek you, Hashem. Do not allow me to deceive myself and gild falsehood with truth. May the forces of evil have no power to affect my mind with their twisted schemes as they attack me and attempt to persuade me to clap my hands or exclaim the words of prayer with ulterior motives, while at the same time I deceive myself that I need to do so. Hashem forbid that I should do such a thing. Hashem keep me far from all ulterior motives and falsehoods, whether they are completely false motives and I am attempting to gain others' praise or money, or whether they are gilded with truth. May I not place any disgraceful matter before my eyes. I hate crooked dealings. May such not cling to me. May a twisted heart depart from me. May I know no evil. May a person who acts falsely not sit within my house. May anyone who speaks falsehood not stand before my eyes. May my sole intent, for instance, many movements in prayer, be for the sake of your great name alone. May I act only with utter truth and in accordance with your desire, until I attain truth as your desire. In this way, may I draw illumination down from the world to come, so that truth is revealed in this world, just as it will be revealed in the future, on the day of the great and awesome judgment, when you will judge your world, the small and the great alike. At that time, you will enter into judgment with all flesh. You will take an accounting of our every deed, of every detail, of everything great and small, overlooking nothing. At that time, you will not ignore the most trivial matter. Instead, God will bring a person to judgment for everything hidden, whether good or evil. At that point, everything will be recalled. You recall all the deeds of the world and take account of all creatures from the earliest times. All hidden matters are revealed before you, a multitude of hidden matters since creation. There is no forgetting before you your throne of glory, and nothing is hidden before your eyes. You recall every deed, and no creature is concealed from you. Everything is revealed and known to you, Hashem our God. You who look and gaze at the end of all generations, you bring about the decreed time of remembrance, when every spirit and soul will be taken into account, and many beings and a multitude of creatures without number will be remembered. You have made this known from the beginning of creation. You have revealed it from the earliest times. Who will not give an accounting of himself on the great and awesome day? The day of Hashem is very great and awesome. There is none like it who can abide it. Hashem, 
you take note of every person's deeds, plans, and aims. Fortunate is the person who does not forget you, the human being who gains strength in you. Those who seek you will never stumble, and those who take refuge in you will never be ashamed. When you recall all deeds and seek out the actions of all people,